Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God be and abide among us and in us and with us. Amen. This morning we continue the series that we began last week, What Child Is This? Reviewing stories and narratives from Jesus' earliest uh, life, from the birth narrative, and then moving into stories of young Jesus. Last week we talked about when he was eight days old and then a 40 days old, when he was named and circumcised, and then the temple dedication, and the people around him, and what they knew about who he was and his identity. And today, we'll move into our actual recognition, uh, remembrance of Epiphany. We'll mark what is on the calendar for January 6th, the 12th day of Christmas, Epiphany is a word that means revelation, which means to shine on. Um, And maybe you've heard it used in this way. Wow, I had an epiphany. I realized something is typically what is meant. And, and, And that's because we see something in a new way. We have a revelation to us. There's a light that goes on, kind of in that light bulb idea. You know, the, the, the light comes on and we can see. And so we're going to look at this story of, of these, these people, these men who, who come to Jerusalem seeking the one. The Magi arrived, and this is the beginning of chapter 2 of Matthew. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So who are these men who show up looking for, well, looking for Jesus? The old song says, we three kings of Orient are. Were there three? Matthew chapter 2 actually doesn't, doesn't say that. It just says magi from the east or wise men from the east. And of Orient really is just a word that means East. So, okay, that can make sense. It's tradition that we talk about three because of the gifts that they bring. There's gold and frankincense and myrrh. So the three gifts come, so there were three, which is possible, but maybe not. Were they three kings? As early as the second century, they were identified as royalty. And maybe that's rooted in Isaiah 60 and Psalm 72. Isaiah 60, verse 3, says, Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And Psalm 72 says, May the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, and all nations serve him. And so the idea is rooted in these Old Testament readings that there would be kings who would come and bring gifts and render tribute. Is this fulfillment of that? And that's why the idea of these men being kings arose. The translation that we used renders it wise men. The footnote in the Translation includes the original language, magi. 
It's from a Greek word, magos, and the etymology of that word is the, we get our word magician from the same root. There's, there's this magos um, connection to magician, and so people have, have pointed to Persia and Babylon further into Asia with this idea that they've come from the east, so somewhere, I should point east, I guess, this is east, yeah, the hills are right through that wall. And so somewhere from the east, these men arrive. And maybe they're Persian, and maybe they're Babylonian, but we actually don't know. I mean, Matthew only tells us that they're from somewhere east, and they have arrived. It's unlikely that they have the names Melchior, Gaspar, and Balthazar, though those are traditional names for these three magi. More unlikely than that um, is that they're of three diverse races, uh, uh, a man with a, a long white beard and a, one with a ruddy complexion and maybe red hair and one that's uh, of a dark complexion. That's possible, but unlikely. And even more unlikely is that the remains of these magi have been brought to uh, a church in Germany, in the city of Cologne. That's highly unlikely. To the original reader of Matthew's gospel, just that word magi that's there probably wouldn't have sparked this idea of royalty or of some kind of wise, sage person who has come. They would have been seen as Gentile foreigners to whom God revealed his son or revealed that something special was happening and that they went to seek out what it was. Gentile foreigners, and probably they wouldn't have had this awe and respect that sometimes the Magi get. We know this about the Magi, though. They understood the stars, or at least they studied them. Because verse 2 tells us, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They saw a star. Toward the end of December, there was the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in the western sky. And I remember walking dogs of, of maybe a week or so ahead of that and seeing that there were two dots in the sky that seemed a little different from what I remembered. Close together, but not on top of each other. And I wondered, because I had seen the headline that this was going to happen on December 22nd, that uh, there would be this conjunction of planets. And I wondered, was I looking at the right two dots in the sky? I've not really ever been one who could look at the sky and point out very many constellations. I can usually find the Big Dipper past that I'm kind of guessing. But I watched those two dots in the sky over a couple of weeks as they drew closer and closer together, and I walked out and stood in the street the day that this was going to happen, December 21st or 22nd, and, and looked, and sure enough, it no longer looked like two, but one, at least to my eyes. Grabbed the camera and zoomed way in and snapped a picture. And there's still two dots, but they're really close. 
together. I don't know if I had not seen that headline and knew something was happening. I don't know if I would have noticed. I'm not one to spend a lot of time looking up and seeing what's different from how it looked yesterday or a week ago or three weeks ago or whenever. It looks kind of the same. And locally, because of a lot of population here and light pollution and oftentimes some kind of moisture or something in the sky, we don't see a lot of stars. So we don't have a a, a great way to view the stars. I remember being in a place where the night was really dark, way up in northern Minnesota and just laying on the ground and looking up and seeing millions of dots in the sky and laying still and watching, we saw a satellite pass overhead, a streak of white just drawn a line across the sky in the night. And that was something interesting to see. These men saw the stars. Planets, most likely, it's a plausible explanation for the star that they saw, because stars don't move across the sky. Stars don't travel from one place in the constellations to another, but planets can. And the Magi and those who study astrology often attach labels or significance to various constellations and things that are happening. And so that's a plausible explanation that what they saw was possibly similar to Jupiter and Saturn side by side that we saw a couple weeks ago. And what I just saw was that now there's going to be a conjunction of three, not quite as close together, um, even in the next couple of days. But they saw his star. So it wasn't just that there was a star that was doing something different and something unique in the sky. It was attached in significance to royalty, to a birth, to something happening in Israel. They saw his star and came with this question, where is the king? Where is the king? The Magi were looking for a king, and somehow what happened in the sky gave them this question, where's the king? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? That's the beginning of verse 2. They didn't just come to meet him and come to find him. Their statement ends, we have come to worship him. So where do you go looking for royalty? Where do you go looking for a king who is born? They went to the place that makes sense. They show up in the capital. They go to the palace looking for the king. Wednesday, there was some events that had to do with a capital. The same day, actually, Epiphany, when the Magi are remembered to be showing up at the capital looking for the one who was born, there were events in our capital. Events that demonstrated that there are deep divisions 
in these United States. And commentary and reaction have showed the same, that there are many who don't feel heard or valued, and how quickly frustrations boil over and mob mentality seems to take root. And many seem quick to see boundaries and divisions and distrust the other. It was a troubling scene and a cause for deep grief. We've had plenty of troubling scenes and causes for grief, it feels like. Causes for mourning and weeping and our national and cultural trajectory doesn't seem to offer much hope. Where's the problem going to be solved? Is it going to be solved in those same areas, the same halls that were overrun? I don't think so. I think it needs to be solved individually between neighbors and families. And as people repent and return and move forward in a way that says, I'm going to try to listen and trust and seek the best for other people. That's where problems get solved now. That's what happened in our capital. In, in the capital of Israel, in Jerusalem, Herod was troubled. The king was troubled. That's in verse 3. Herod was worried by the threat to his position and the threat to his power. And all Jerusalem with him, it says. Things can be challenging to us when there's change taking place, it can leave us feeling unsettled. The king, Herod, was an earthly king, a powerful man, one who didn't take threats lightly, and this felt like a threat to his position, to his leadership, and he wanted to seek out that one, not, as he said, to also worship him, we know well. He needed to know more. So he asked in verse 4, assembling the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. See, the Magi come seeking the king, and he asks about the Christ. Well, the word Christ means anointed. The one who would be anointed, he knew enough to ask the right question. Where's the Christ to be born. Where's the anointed one of God supposed to arrive? Is this who they mean? The anointed one who was promised, Herod and Jerusalem, as they are troubled, they know the right questions and they even know, and the, the scribes of the people and the chief priests know even where to look for the information. They Consult the scriptures. They open the Bible in Bethlehem of Judea. This is, where, this is where the Christ, this is where the child is going to be born. They knew where to look, but they didn't go look in Bethlehem. Herod, it seems, was comfortable staying in Jerusalem and, and letting the Magi 
move forward, at least for a time, until they didn't come back. Because of, well, we get to the end of the story and the warning for the Magi not to return to Herod, it came to them in the dream. The priests, the scribes, the city, the king, they all missed the one whom the Magi found. For us, we need to seek the king. There's a kind of a cliche. It's sometimes shows up on like church signs or maybe t-shirts that says, wise men still seek him. And it's kind of cliche, but it's also true that we need to seek the king. We need to follow the signs because the Lord draws people to himself. God invites Those scriptures that said that kings would come and bring tribute, that the kings of Sheba and the the camels of Midian and all this would come to where he was, he invites. But not just kings, not just royalty, not just those who have tribute to bring of great value, but the poor, the broken, the needy, the downcast, the hurting, the weak are invited to come to this one. To find the one who was born to be king of the Jews, God invites even us by his grace to come to him. See, the Magi didn't come to Jesus on their own. God drew them. And in drawing them demonstrates that everyone's invited. These are Gentile foreigners who don't have the scripture, don't have the history, don't have the They're not part of the family. They're not descendants of Abraham. But in, in Matthew's gospel, these are the first ones. They're among the first ones to worship Jesus. We're all invited, in fact, to come to him and drawn to God by the work of the Spirit. For us, it's not a star or a planetary conjunction but through the word of God, through the, sacraments, through the sacraments, through the witness of family, through the story of this child. What child is this? This is the king. This is the king who has come. And so we come to him and worship him. Verse 11, the Magi going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. We worship This child, knowing that there's more to his story than this birth narrative and these magi coming, we know that he lives. We know that he died. And that his death is what brings us together. That his cross draws us to him more powerfully than a star. Because that's where the grace of God was poured out in full when his life was laid down for us. So we can rejoice with great joy that this gift was given and we can offer our gifts. The Magi offered gifts 
fit for a king of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We can offer our gifts, our time, our resources, our energy, our priorities. We can worship him with our lives. And by doing that, we can help others find him. Who needs Jesus? Right now, it's evident that people need Jesus. Right now, it's evident that people need Jesus because of the suffering that we can see. Because the problems that are around us aren't going to go away on their own. That there's not political solutions to all of these issues that we face. That the division between people can be broken down by the grace of God being at work in our lives. Jesus offers peace in turmoil, joy in sorrow, hope in darkness, healing and wholeness. So led by the Spirit, we should go where he sends us and proclaim that he was born to be the king of the Jews, to be our king, our Lord, our Christ. What child is this? He is the king. Amen.